third world country, you wouldn't care which toilet you use. Gender. You'd be grateful to have a toilet. I, I agree. I, I. It's just that, you know, with all this androgyny and uh, all this, uh, the, the, you, you know what I'm talking all about. All the androgyny is just about pulling people's pants down in public. That's all. <laughs> no, what I'm saying was... That, 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 that men are being men are dressing up as women and going into the women's change rooms. Well, and, does that terrify you? Well, no, it's it's the females that we're trying to protect. Come on, Lynn. Oh, <laughs> uh, right. So you won't go swimming because you're protecting females. Is that it? No, not me. Actually, the only reason I don't like that. No, no, I, I, I doesn't really bother me that much. But I'm saying that's what the big controversy is about. Fact of the matter is, mm -hmm. females will make a male invader of their space feels so uncomfortable that he's going to have to either get the hell out or he'll complain or something will, will happen. Okay. You understand? Women are not spontaneously going to let these characters come in to their most intimate spaces. You know, they might once or twice, but in general, they're going to reject that and they're going to rebel against that. And that's actually happening already. Yeah. So they're going to make it an unsafe space for somebody like that. And over time, people will realize you don't invade an unsafe space. It's that simple. Uh, you know, to me, I got an argument, not an argument, really. It was a great discussion. Mm -hmm. I was on Facebook and this girl was put it, posting all kinds of stuff about Brooke Shields. Yeah. Claiming that Brooke Shields had been... Uh, Abuse. Basically, uh, was a male to female. Yeah, who had who had they had altered as a child. Yeah, because you remember her movie, uh, Pretty Baby, with uh, Keith Carradine and Susan Sarandon, big and hit, Blue Lagoon, really, very controversial, very controversial, and Blue Lagoon. You remember the the Blue Lagoon where she appeared in the nude, pretty much. Yeah. You remember that nothing gets between that commercial. Nothing gets between me and my Calvin yeah. clients. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's just they consider that child abuse. Well, here's the thing. I don't know what happened with Brooke Shields, but what this girl was doing was essentially making Brooke Shields out to be the devil and then showing pictures of what Brooke Shields looks like now. Well, she's aged. So what? Everybody ages. Yeah. But I said, you know, what bothers me about this is you don't know what happened to Brooke Shields. You don't know if she had any control over it all. She may have been abused and molested, but you ain't doing any favors by coming out here and denouncing her and pulling her pants down in public. I said, it wouldn't matter except that somebody like Brooke Shields or anybody out of Hollywood or the rock music scene is what I call low hanging fruit. That's an important concept, low hanging fruit. Yeah. Because the, there's, there's something else out there that's not low hanging fruit and that's called a high value target. So in my book, Low-hanging fruit is for the cowards and the people that want to waste their time doing, basically getting into salacious gossip about this or that entertainment figure. Like, who gives a shit? Really? You know, like that that show that uh, Sky TV, I was listening to with the, uh, the audio chat with your, uh, with uh, Esoteric and Varushka yeah. talking about that. Uh, that was D-Train, his wife. Right. Miriam, uh, whatever, the, 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 the tranny who did a big reality TV show back in like, what, 2003 on Sky News? And then, I don't know, ended up being a suicide or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't remember the name. 
right now. That's low-hanging fruit. We want me to give you an example of a high-value target that's worth pursuing and documenting and crucifying and nailing to the wall? Well, Michelle Obama is a high-value target. They want to run her for president or whatever. That's a high-value target. That's why I admire Fetzer for going after. And the other one is Macron's wife, uh, Bridget Macron. Right. Uh, I actually forward all kinds of material to Mr. E. I was hoping he would do something with it because it looks to me like from a document documentation standpoint, they've got the goods on Bridget Macron. And uh, you could tell the French courts panicked and they tried to shut that down. But those Michelle Obama, Bridget Macron. They're out there. They're out there organizing for climate change and every other totalitarian thing you can think of. They're high value targets. This is a big problem I've always had from the beginning of the truth movement is people don't understand the concept of target acquisition in warfare. Yeah. You know, you want to aim at the grunt in, in, the, in the foxhole or do you want to look for the, the radio antenna? Because that's probably where the commanding officer is going to be big difference if you shoot a grunt oh great you, you shot a grunt in a fox or a private but if you go after where the radio uh, radio antenna is or whatever else indicates a command and control center and you knock that out well now that that counts for something then you've hit a high value target so that's where i come down on the whole egi thing if it really is e as an elite gender inversion yeah, it's a good idea. It's a great idea. As long as it's really elites you're going after. But if it's for some, you know, drag queen on the street, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, you're you know, right. I mean, if they're invading the schools, obviously, yeah, that's an issue. That's a legitimate issue. People should not allow their kids to be sexualized. It's outrageous. Yeah. And that's a legitimate fight. That's That's a high value target. See what I'm saying? But on the other hand, if you find out there's a teacher in the school who's cl- a closet gay, that's low-hanging fruit. Yes. Okay, yeah. maybe they yeah. are. So what? So, yeah, you know, but I understand. Well, you know, I think we should start the show. Get it going. We should start the show. Uh, I didn't even test FacoTube. It was acting up, but who cares? We're going to get going now, and here we go. Let's see what happens. Hello, good evening, everybody. It is Tuesday, January the 2nd, year of our Lord, 2024. The Fakeologist Show. Yeah, we came back. We survived the transition from 2023 to 2024. And it's Tuesday, and that means it's the Lynn Ertel Show. And hi, Lynn. How you doing? Could be better, but uh, I shouldn't play. I'm alive. Could be better. Shouldn't complain. I agree. Let's see if uh, everything is streaming live at fakeologist.com forward slash live where you can listen to the audio stream or you can listen to the, um, well, there's Lynn. Lynn's got a screen to show us. I was testing a screen sharing. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it works. What are we showing here? Lynn is showing us her screen. Let's bring it up. And, uh, oh, she's got some good stuff there. So Lynn is uh, going to show... That that works perfectly, Lynn. I can see it perfectly. So Lynn, and, we're back here. And let me just make sure we're streaming on FacoTube. Uh, are we or are we not? Is FacoTube... No, I don't think FacoTube's working again tonight. I don't know why. 
So I'm not going to fix it now. I forgot to fix it earlier, so we'll just have to leave it. It's been a while since I streamed a fake tip. I guess it's been a week. And uh, I thought they would have fixed it, but they haven't. So we'll... Um, well, fake tube comes up for me, but... Well, let's see. Uh, yeah, fake tube. Nah, it shouldn't uh, be working. It's not working on my end, so... I don't know what happened. It. I hopefully doesn't. I hope you guys don't get bummed. Actually, I, well, turned, I gotta check it out. I uh, turned the email notifications off for Fake Two because it was bombing people wow. with a a hundred messages last week, and it was not because it wasn't able to connect. So I don't know exactly what was going on last week, but that's okay. We're, we're we'll stick to the audio for now. Well, it says it's online here. That's yes, interesting. Yes, I, I know. I just looked at well, it. Well, it says it's online, but it's not. It's not transmitting. So it's getting. Uh, it's getting the message that we're transmitting, but it's not receiving anything. So I'm sorry. I didn't have a chance. I've got a million things I had to do. I didn't really get much time off this uh, holidays. So unfortunately, we're going to have to uh, work on that a separate time. I mean, I I could have canceled tonight's show. Or this whole week, actually, just to catch up, because I'm not caught up at all. But that's okay. Maybe I'll catch up some other time. So any of you guys in FacoTube, you can still chat in the FacoTube. Otherwise, uh, just go to YouTube right now. I hate to say YouTube works good, but... And Lynn is showing her screen there. Yeah, you just get the online, but nothing's happening. Okay. So, yeah, FacoTube people, I don't know if you can even hear, but uh, just come on over to YouTube for now. And what a weekend we had um, regarding FacoTube, Fakeologist audio chats. It was really busy. And uh, I didn't even put yesterday's show up yet because uh, I got busy again today. That's another 14 hours. And Lynn, are you working through uh, the New Year's Eve audio chat, I yes, think? Yes, I am. And I'm, I, I, <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. You got a great, wow. You like I, it? I got to walk out. I love it. Yeah, I do. Oh, nice. And I got to say this about the Aussies. Can I talk about the Aussies? <laughs> hey, it's your show. Talk about whatever you want. I'm just hosting. Well, aside from the fact that they, they managed to butcher the English language. <laughs> I still love listening to them. Yeah. I, I have very warm feelings toward the Australians. Because, oh, how can you not? Right, because I came to being a no-planer from uh, an Australian, Gerard Holmgren. Right. He was the original no-planer. Yeah, all I know. That research up front, examining the BTS database and everything else. And uh, now I understand he died quite a few years back. Yeah. I can believe that because he was a blues musician, well, guitar some, teacher. Somebody talked to his brother. Them. I posted that. Somebody talked what? to his brother, Gerard Holmgren's brother. There was an interview. I don't know who okay. did it now. I never heard it. Let's search on Fakeologist because I'm sure I posted it. Within. Uh, I tell you what. Within the first week of nine eleven, there okay. were two. Well, Gerard Holmgren showed up a little bit later, but within the first year, sir. Well, very soon after, he was the original no planer, and you know, I was like really grateful because I think this guy's all the way in Australia, but he's taking the time to really look at this. He's got a great analysis. So yeah, he he recruited me right away. But the other people who put up a website right away that said Americans don't believe 9-11 you've been tricked and it was called German engineers question 9-11 or German engineers expose 9-11 they put up a website right away and 
I got to tell you, know, I'm very bitter towards my fellow Americans. You've all heard me go on and on about that. Yeah. My generation, my, you know, about 9-11. Yeah, you do. And, you know, to rub it in with the idea that who are the first people to call out 9-11 as an inside job was uh, and, and were these German engineers. And then there was the French writer, Thierry Maison, who put out the frightening fraud that made the case for no plane at the Pentagon. And there was Gerard Holmgren, an Australian. So I had to chalk it up to this really bitter, bitter, bitter disappointment. And I expected all kinds of American academics to be coming forward and say, come on, these were controlled demolitions. But nope, not a one of them did. Not a one of them did. And it's to the everlasting disgrace of this country. It really is. So, yeah, getting back to the Australians, I've always felt like um, we just get a lot of support from we got a big following there. And so, yeah, I want to hear them talk about whatever they want to talk about. And uh, I, I was intrigued by um, some of the Austra recent Australian history and the role of the governor general. Yeah, uh, we kind esoteric of. Esoteric was getting into. Was that? No, that, that you were. Esoteric's been ill. And, oh, who uh, was I listening to? You were listening to Ian. Oh, Ian. Ian is married to Varushka. Oh, and yeah. Ian is an abseiler. I didn't even know what an abseiler was. Do you? Say that again. An abseiler? Abseiler. A-B-S-E-I-L. And um, you can type that in. But that's someone who suspends themselves from ropes. Oh, like window washers or... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's guys right. that work on high beam. I mean, in other words, you work from heights. Yeah. Right, so he's got to be have pretty good upper body strength, I would think. I mean, he's repelling up and down. <laughs> he's he's repelling up and down on ropes, probably. So you got to got pretty good upper body strength to do that. So yeah. that's what he does. It sounds kind of dangerous to me. Well, we were talking <laughs> about that because he was getting back to me that he agreed with something I said that nobody on the ninety third floor of any building would willingly jump off it. There's just oh, no, yeah. there's just no way. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I was he, just looking at. And he says he's been up that high, so I've never been that up that high hanging off a building, but he has, and that was the whole point of that. Right. So he's seen it from <laughs> from a different angle than we have, and I agree. I don't think anybody would jump <laughs> from a high. I don't think anybody would jump from a, a fifth floor a fifth floor window. You know, <laughs> not, no, in an office building, no way. Yeah, now if the place was on fire, yeah, there's yeah. different things to consider, but still. I'm going to put a link to Gerard Holmgren because, you know, people really need to take a look at the fakeologist.com blog. It goes back 10 years, and there's so much content there. Now, this is a post I put on Gerard Holmgren, and there's a video, but it's not there anymore, and I don't know what it was about. He, he didn't like Judy Wood at all. <laughs> he had oh. a very... Tell Jim Rizzoli. Tell tell Jim Ravioli. <laughs> oh, Jim was such a disappointment to me. Oh, uh, listening to him was, I thought, how could fake nukes Phil have hooked up with this guy? Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it was I know a big, big disappointment listening to him. I mean, he was off the wall totally, really. But you know what? He is still talking about it on his BitChute channel, and I'm still listening. I do like Jim. I don't know why. You know, there's he just he seems like a genuine guy. But he's so wrong about so much, it's ridiculous. So right now I don't know that every photograph in Judy Wood's book is fake. Yeah. There might be one or two that aren't. I mean, a lot of pictures were taken the day after 
a week after, two weeks after. We don't know. You'd have to go through every one of those images and have them sourced and vetted before they could be admitted as evidence in court. On the other hand, we've got the PBS Frontline show where Larry Silverstein, the landlord, is right there on camera saying, we had so much death, blah, blah, blah. We decided to pull it. And we, what it is it? We stepped back and we, we, we said, pull it. We watched the building go down or whatever his words are. And then they show the iconic clip of WTC7, the Salomon Brothers building, 47 stories, goes straight down in its own footprint where it looks like a perfect controlled demolition. I don't know whether that video is fake or real. All I know is that would be one of the first pieces of evidence we would introduce of criminality on the part and of the landlords. Was and appropriate behavior. Um, so, uh, okay, I'm just playing in um, our youth, the. Uh, war in Vietnam was, of course. Now uh, this is an interview strong... with Raleigh Quaid's. Sorry, Raleigh Quaid, who used to be on the Fakeologist uh, News Network. Here, he was on our Discord for a long time. He did an interview with David Holmgren, the late Gerard Holmgren's brother. So this is pretty good. I'm going to put this on um, Fake O2 because this was on my old video platform from WordPress, Fault Press, and I. Uh, I uh, stopped paying for that, and now uh, I can't get at it, so I'll have to re-up it here. So this is a pretty good interview by Raleigh Quaid. So you might be interested in that, Lynn. I'm going to put it on FacoTube, and you can listen to it later. Worth a listen, because you're one of the few people that even know who Gerard Holmgren is, because you go way back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I knew them all. In the case of Judy Wood, I don't want to, you want to hear about my encounter with Judy Wood. Of course, uh, because you know what? And Jim what, what? Rizzoli is in love with Judy Wood. <laughs> oh, she's so, in, first of all, she's a terrible teacher. <laughs> she got very low ratings from the students. At, I guess it was Virginia Tech. She was, her degree is from Virginia Tech. And she was involved I, in the Virginia Tech shooting. That's what I wanted to know, what her role was in that Virginia Tech yes. shooting incident. Yes, yes. You talked about that. But um, I, uh, the way this played out was uh, 2005, 2006, the no-planers were very active. We were putting up websites, and I got to know Rosalie Grable, who was out in Chicago. She put up a site, one of the first TV fakery sites, that showed the Fairbanks and other fake video. She also had a breakdown of the Naudet video, which if you look at the Naudet video, it doesn't even look like a plane. It looks like some kind of UAV, really, because it moves vertically. But um, we didn't know what that was, but we knew that the Naudet brothers was a setup. So anyway, I said to Rosalie Grable, I said, you know, there's a, a week of like anti-war demonstrations taking place down the road for me in Washington, D.C. And Morgan Reynolds is going to be down here giving speaking to the National Press Club. Morgan Reynolds had just within the last three months gone on Fox and said that that image of Flight 175 entering the South Tower was computer-generated imagery. He said it right out. You can play that interview if you like. It's probably still out there on YouTube. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to play that. Morgan Reynolds on Fox. As you talk, I always am searching. 
So let's see. Let's see if that's on there. There are very few people that made it onto mainstream media talking about 9-11, period, right. don't you think? Jim Fetzer was one. Jim Fetzer was one. But I thought Morgan Reynolds gave a very good presentation, even though they shut him down. Morgan Reynolds on Fox News. That's the one. Yeah, that's the only time they've ever let him on there. <laughs> they never let him on there again. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking here. What's I might have to go to BitChute for that. I don't see it. Oh, that's ridiculous. That should be on YouTube. I've watched it on YouTube. Well, I don't see it. So here it is here. It's on BitChute. The 9-11 conspiracy theories just won't go away. In fact, this week's Time magazine spends a good deal of ink talking about the latest theories. Professor Morgan Reynolds says he has proven the government's explanation of the terror attacks is a lie. He teaches economics at Texas A&M University and is a member of the group called Scholars for the Truth. Professor Reynolds says 9-11 was an inside job and he joins us here from New York. Well, Professor... I, I got to tell you, I covered 9-11, at least here in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think I have a pretty good understanding of what happened on that day. What do you know that, that I don't know and that the rest of America apparently doesn't know? The government has never even tried to prove it's a OBL story. It's a fiction. The 9-11 Commission never tried to prove it. You cannot prove a lie. There, there's your problem. Uh, there's so many things wrong with the 9-11 uh, fiction, the, the myth, the the uh, official government conspiracy. Well, you theory. say, for example, that there that there were no planes that hit the, the the World Trade Center. Is that is that your contention? No, what I say is that there were no air, uh, big Boeing uh, crashes at every uh, all four events. There's no significant wreckage, for example. Well, did you there, see the videotape that the rest of us saw? Sure, and I encourage everybody to uh, do a frame-by-frame -frame penetration of the South Tower, and what you will see is a fake, uh, a cartoon uh, display. Because a plane cannot, an aluminum plane cannot go through a building like the, a, the South Tower was a, a, as if it were thin air. So you're saying, right you're, you're suggesting that there's some kind of cartoon animation there. You're suggesting that the news media was a part of this. Yes, those pictures came from the news media. Yes. Uh, well, there was only one so-called real-time uh, uh, film, and uh, we don't really understand how they did that. Uh, there are video experts in the uh, disbeliever movement, uh, but most of those uh, were, were subsequent uh, tapes, and they are contrived. And you, yes, believe, are. you believe that the missing planes were shot down by missiles? No, uh, well, of course, we don't understand everything about uh, the crime. Uh, the two American airliner flights, for example, though, were not even in the Bureau of, of, of Transportation uh, Statistics database. Where do you think they are now? What's that? That came from Holmgren, what he just said. That, 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 the fact that uh, Flight 77 and Flight 11 didn't even exist. They, they didn't take off. They didn't land. They didn't exist on the BTS database, which is updated in real time. And Fetzer made that into a mantra. Is he not? Did he? Okay. Oh, yeah, you, 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 you know it because every time he says it, it's he's like a wind-up doll when it comes to Kennedy and 9-11. And for sure he... Um, said that did you watch the conference with fetzer that he just had on false flags and conspiracy it was actually pretty good 
No, I'll, I'll have to watch it. I, 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 you know, Fetzer kind of wears me out. I, oh, me I too. spent a lot of time. Me too, me I, too. Yeah, and I can tell you, I could do a whole critical evaluation of the history of Fetzer and Judy Wood, if you'd like. And I would because Jim, Jim really needs to hear that. <laughs> he really uh, needs, sorry, Jim Rizzoli. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jim Rizzoli. See, Jim Rizzoli has got me reinvigorated. Because he's talking about this day in and day out now on his little show. It is a pretty good little show. I'm enjoying it. And uh, if you want, I'll, I'll put a link to Jim's channel. But he's talking about me and the fakeologist because he was on last Thursday with Frank and I. We weren't going to do a show, but Frank just said, let's do a show. I listened to the whole thing, yeah. And then I brought Jim on. Uh, that was at the last minute. So Jim, I, I, have, to, I have to give Frank props. Frank the Salt guy, yeah. for his his infinite patience and tolerance, because I think I would have lost it myself. <laughs> I would have. Well, Jim, Jim, Jim was Jim Rizzoli was losing it. <laughs> right. He was losing it big time. Yeah, that would if you lost your temper with Jim, that would have been funny. But I'm at fakeologist.blog. Yeah. I'm posting as Jim does his show. He does a walk and talk every day with his girlfriend down there in Texas and he mentions this almost every show now so it's pretty good and I, I point out Jim Jim Rizzoli's hypocrisy. He's so he's so hypocr hypocritic or such a hypocrite when it comes to his way of looking at things it's not even funny. Yeah, the business about oh, did Fetzer threaten Judy Wood? The fact of the matter is yeah, Fetzer poor. put Judy Wood on the map. I, I'm going to say that again. So your audience understands. Yeah. Because we're talking about 2006, 2007. That's how long ago this was. Jim Fetzer, who had a show on RBN called, right. I think he still was calling it. The Raw Deal? The Real Deal. The Real Deal. The Real Deal. The Dynamic Duo with Jim Fetzer and too, Kevin right. Barrett. Yeah. Uh, but this was without Kevin Barrett. This was a show he had by himself. Okay. It was the very first real public presentation of Judy Wood to the truth community. And I was, I was very mistrustful of Fetzer for the following reasons. One, he was not a no planer at that point. He was saying they were controlled demolitions and an inside job, but he was not a no planer and he hadn't yet understood the TV fakery, even though it had probably been presented to him, but he hadn't taken the time to look at it, which was inexcusable. I thought for a professor, with his credentials. But at a certain point, he started this group called Scholars for 9-11 Truth, which outraged me. It really outraged me. Because 9-11 Truth ain't rocket science. It ain't effing rocket science. And it never was. To tell, and it's just like this architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, which propagates the idea that somehow you need specialized credentials or academic degrees to certify that these were controlled demolitions and that that the story we're given is fake. And that's in effect what Fetzer was doing. He was saying, oh, we're going to get scholars, which is credentialed professors with PhDs to prove to people that it was a controlled demolition. And from my standpoint, the fact of controlled demolition of the towers and building seven was what I call a self-evident truth. Yeah. Some truths are arguable and debatable. 
other truths are self-evident to a greater or lesser degree. I know a controlled demolition when I see one, even if it's a fake video or a cartoon of a controlled demolition. I know what a controlled demolition looks like as opposed to a building collapsing from an earthquake or a building getting hit by a missile or a bomb. I know what a perfect controlled demolition. I've seen enough of them on TV. And so is half of America. That's why it should never have been necessary for someone to start a group called scholars or architects and engineers for 9-11 truth. That's insulting. Unless that's they were making, there to derail and uh, that's what right, they were for. Well, no? If they really knew it. You're saying intentionally and deliberately? No. No, these people, most of them have fat egos and they're in love with their degrees. And they think their degrees make them better than everyone else. And people should listen to them because they got a degree. I'm saying that a, that a fifth grader, a fifth grader could look at those videos of Building 7 and see it's a perfect controlled demolition and could intuitively deduce that about the towers as well, that they, they, they weren't turned to rubble from crashing planes, from the fires caused by crashing planes. That's not the way basic physics works. To me, the controlled demolitions were a self-evident truth. And what particularly outraged me about Fetzer starting this group was that when I, when I first heard that he had joined the 9-11 truth movement, this McKnight professor of the philosophy of history from the University of Minnesota with all kinds of degrees and credentials, Man, you sure can remember all that. Oh, that's amazing. And he pointed, I think what I amazing. remember the most. Yeah. Way up in his resume was that he had, he had been a captain in the Marines, United States Marines. You don't get to be a captain in the United States Marines. That, that's halfway towards making a career. You understand? Yeah. He didn't, he didn't leave the Marines as a private or a sergeant he left, or a lieutenant. He left as a captain. That means he was commanding men. I thought if Fetzer had an ounce of integrity or rage about what had happened, authentic rage, he should have started a Marines for 9-11 truth. Am I wrong? And that that was a much greater priority than a scholars, scholars for 9-11 truth, which sounds really candy ass to me. Oh, you need a degree to have some, you need somebody with a degree to say, oh, was that really a controlled demolition? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. I'm sure Glenn, we got a professor here to certify that it was a controlled demolition. Well, let me let me see if I can find that. Uh, that uh... welcome back to the second day of our false flag and conspiracies conference 2023. Let me remind you of our sponsors. Uh, we have Revolution Radio, Speak Free Radio, Republic Broadcasting Network, Moonrock books real deal media thank you hosted by in different ways let me take us back to that tragic and fateful day this is from the so he's reinforcing it was a tragedy see that that that's the thing he'll never admit that nobody died nobody got hurt so anything after that doesn't really matter to the main to the controllers don't you think well uh, you know, I don't like this. Nobody died. Okay. Because that means if one person had a heart attack, if one fireman had a heart attack, somebody died. You know, I mean, it's 
Yeah, but, yeah okay. Nobody died they, the they way did they evacuate. Yeah. They probably evacuated the buildings first. Sure. And they were right. empty anyway, but there's one, there's the one no, thing you no, said. No. The restaurant, the restaurant at the top was not empty. I think that that day it was because they were doing a drill. Nobody could get in. And it opened, well, it all, it opened later yeah, at nine o'clock, right? Yeah, that, that day, day, that day. Let me May just see Brussels if I can find website, it. But it's going to give you an eerie feeling of having been there deja vu all over again. Who's May Brussel? Oh, they must have done a lot what? of research around the Symbionese Liberation Army. Okay, I never heard of her. Okay. Well, I'm uh, you never heard of her because you've never been, <laughs> you haven't been in this kind of movement. No, <laughs> no, I never heard of her. 40 years, you know, so. No, no, I have not. Okay. Right, but anybody who's into false flag operations, like the Symbionese Liberation Army, which was a joint operation between the CIA, the FBI, and the LAPD, and the California State Police, to set up a, a fake organization at a Vacaville State Medical Facility, a prison, and set it up as a radical group. And, you know, the Patty Hearst kidnapping, all that stuff. That's where Mae Brussel comes out of, okay. writing about that and exposing it. So that's who she was. But I got to say about Fetzer. Uh, we had just begun to get him to look at the No Plains evidence, but he hadn't really come around yet. And he invited Judy Wood onto his show. She and she's an old planner. Well, she's not very vocal about it, is she? No, I'm asking. Is she? I don't even know. Well, that's the point I made. She's never said a fucking word about it. <laughs> okay, she's the, so she probably isn't then. I guess. Well, maybe she is, but she's too opportunist and manipulative and dishonest to talk about the TV fakery. And her degree is in mechanical engineering, yeah, material you, science. You can't get any better than that when it comes to... That's right. Yeah. And, 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 and let me give you the history of this. Okay. Uh, I I found out that these anti, we had a week's worth of anti-war demonstrations. We just invaded Iraq. All these demonstrations were happening down in Washington, D.C., I was involved with a 9-11 truth group of 9-11 truth activists up here. And our imperative was to get down to Washington, D.C. and be there on the mall for these anti-war activities to raise the issue of 9-11. Right. That it was an inside job. And, uh, and, and, and also that same weekend, Morgan Reynolds and Judy Wood were giving a presentation to the National press club she involved uh you know a dinner at the national press club and then you know what a dinner a, a presentation at the national press club it's a public event and i was involved because of morgan reynolds right because i had seen morgan reynolds on fox he had joined with us no planers he was pretty much a no planer he was calling out the tv fake i don't know what else he could have said he called it a cartoon and that was in what year? 2006? Right. 2005? What year was that interview on Fox? It Two, wasn't yesterday. 2006. You know? Right. You want me to play the rest? Well, he goes on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Play it out. Okay. If I can. Let's see. Is it frozen? What's going on here? Oh, I was playing it on BitChute. That's why. Uh, wait. Let's, let me reload it here. 
It's a pretty good interview, really. He, he got it's most. It's an excellent interview. He said just about everything you could say. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, Morgan Reynolds was a fairly impressive figure. He was a, a deputy. He's, I guess he was a, an official in the Bush administration, the Department of Labor, I think. And then he was a professor at Texas A&M. He was a member of something called the Mont Pelerin Society, which is uh, a group of mostly European economists and historians and scholars pretty much devoted to what we call Austrian economics, uh, the writings of von Mises and Friedrich Hayek, uh, free market guys. And so Morgan Reynolds was no lightweight. He had a lot of prestige. A lot of academic credential behind him. And here he was saying it was fake. So I thought, well, we ought to be down there in D.C. to support him at, at this presentation he's going to give at the National Press Club. And we did. We, we drove down there. Rosalie Grable and I, we got a, a hotel room. And, uh, and right away we went out. The weather was beautiful. It was September. Uh, we went out and uh, started... Uh, you know, handing out material. Uh, I had DVDs at the time, all kinds of 9-11 material to people at the anti-war march. Right. Most of whom were ignorant as hell about 9-11. And it was shocking to me how we were the only ones there at these anti-war demonstrations, even mentioning 9-11. And then later the march went all the way around the mall and around the Capitol, did a complete circle. And I had a sign that said 9-11 was an inside job. And I was in that crowd pushing that sign up and down so the cameras would catch it. And actually, one of the cameras that later did a news report on that march happened to show my sign. But what stunned me, what stunned me was that there was no one else there saying anything about 9-11. Wow. I, you know, imagine how demoralized it made me feel. As to the event at the National Press Club, Morgan Reynolds spoke and he made essentially all the same points that he made in that interview on Fox. And then Judy Wood got up to talk. And Judy Wood presented her thesis where she never comes out and says, oh, they use these mysterious exotic weapons to take down the towers. She never says that outright. She says they were dustified. They were turned to dust in midair. Yeah, she never says what it was. You're right. Right, right. She really and, she and leaves for, it to your imagination. That's oh what she's doing. yeah, yeah. It's very it's really dishonest what she does. And I can I can easily understand why students who took her course at uh, I guess it was a Virginia Tech where she was a teaching assistant. Maybe I don't know what her rank was there, but. I always, you know, almost from the beginning, I had a very uneasy feeling because I said, why isn't she backing up Morgan Reynolds on this? She's also, she's got a degree in mechanical engineering. She should be calling out the Fairbanks video and the Hezer Connie video is fake. That's really more important than figuring out how they took down the towers. It was a controlled demolition. Who knows what technology they use, what modality. That's not the point, is it? The idea was it was a controlled demolition. It was engineered. And we have evidence for that. And, and we should be presenting the evidence for, for the role of the media and TV fakery, as Morgan Reynolds had. But Judy Wood would never do that. 
And I, I, I spent, uh, I guess, a good part of that day and the following day, because basically I had a vehicle. And one of the things you were doing was helping to drive people around to the various locations, you know, to the National Press Club and other places where these events were taking place. So I got to hang around and I really liked Morgan Reynolds. Yeah. I thought he was spot on. We had a lot of discussion about American history, a lot of things. But Judy Wood struck me as inarticulate, neurotic, kind of embarrassing, and really with not very much to say. Then subsequently, I came to find out that she had really hooked up with this John Hutchinson. Yes. Who had, you know, zero point energy. And you know, it's just like Mike Rupert with the peak oil, see? And I'm convinced that Mike, Mike Rupert was, uh, basically, he was sort of blackmailed by the Zionists because Mike Rupert got, he put a book out called Crossing the Rubicon. And right. one of the things that Crossing the Rubicon presented was all these drills that were going on on 9-11. And as a consequence, somehow he got an invitation to address the very prestigious Commonwealth Club of San Francisco which is probably up there with the Bohemian Club. It's, it's on, on the same level with the Bohemian Club. The Commonwealth Club of San Francisco. Rupert was already well known because he had gotten involved in the uh, CIA crack cocaine scandal that erupted in the 90s. And he had been a big part of that because he claimed to have been part of the LAPD at one point and seen the corruption behind this uh laundering of crack money to finance the Contras in Nicaragua. But what did Rupert do? He got up in front of the Commonwealth Club of San Francisco and said almost nothing about 9-11, except for the fact that the reason why they did it was because of peak oil. We're running out of oil. Peak oil, peak oil, which is Dick Cheney's mantra. Right. Peak oil was a meme that came out of the International Petroleum Institute and Dick Cheney. And I came to realize very quickly that Rupert didn't give a flying rat's ass about 9-11. It was nothing but a hobby horse for him to ride so he could pursue his true agenda, which was peak oil. And that suggests to me that he was bought off, co-opted, compromised, blackmailed, who knows. Now, I later had occasion to watch him dead drunk on more than one occasion. He was an alcoholic. I claim he drank himself to death down there in Venezuela. I don't know. But I had a similar feeling about Judy Wood. She really doesn't give a flying rat's ass about truth or justice for 9-11. She wants to ride her woo-woo exotic weapons. <laughs> wow, look at that. Oh, uh, you're funny. All the way to the bank. That's all she wants to do. She doesn't give a damn about 9-11. And 9-11 is just an excuse for her to create a kind of career for herself. Sell her book, all that crap. She was really hawking her book. And she's demonstrated that over and over and over again. So to whether she's compromised or not, I'd like to look at her role during the Virginia Tech shooting and whether she was deployed as an asset to back up that narrative. For one thing, I'd like to know about that. But no one needs to convince me that Judy Wood is what we call a shill. She's a shill. Someone who's in your movement pretending to care about what you care about but really pursuing her own selfish, opportunist agenda and very dishonest, very dishonest. And let me tell you what Fetzer did. Fetzer brought her on his show almost about the same exact time. 
might have been right around the same time of her appearance. That might have been the situation that made her famous enough that she managed to get that invitation to address the National Press Club, which was a big deal to us at the time. Fetzer brought her on, introduced her. And in the course of her presentation, I thought Fetzer was going to have an orgasm on the air. <laughs> you can play that clip. You can play that original clip from RBM where he goes on. Where is out. that? I wanted to find that oh, for Jim. Judy. Oh, Judy. This is fascinating. That's his word. Fascinating. That's how he talks. That's how he talks. Yeah, he got so excited. So you think these were hit by, he's the one that started that space being shit. It was Fetzer? Yeah, Fetzer was the first one to set it up like from satellites, Judy. You think possibly these things were guided, were fired or guided from satellites? That was his idea. Satellite directed energy weapons. And he didn't have to do it that way. He could have interviewed her and said so. He could have been very calm. Because so Judy, essentially your thesis is they use some kind of exotic, un, uh, you know, classified technology uh, to take down the towers. And... Um, are you suggesting that these might have been satellite? He could have said it in a different way, but you could hear in his voice. He fell in love with the idea and he kept using that word. How fascinating, how fascinating. And it really made me sick because I kept thinking, so that's what you're out here to do, to get all the woo woo out of it. Oh, let's step back and do the woo woo. Let's do the sci-fi fantasy because we're not really angry about the inside job. See? You know, you know what this reminds me of? Can I digress a little bit? Go ahead. It's you your show. Seen, you ever seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind? I think Steven so. Steven Spielberg. Steven yeah. Spielberg. One of his first big hits. Yeah. Close Encounters of a Third Kind. About the staging of an alien landing out in the middle of a, uh, in the middle of the, I don't know, the Arizona or New Mexico desert, somewhere out there. Wherever the Devil's Tower is. Where's the Devil's Tower? That know. iconic, yeah, it might be in Wyoming. I don't know where it is, but uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind uh, with this really annoying actor, Richard Dreyfus. I can't stand to watch him. Um, but I went to the movie and I'm watching it and I'm watching it. And all right, all right, so so what? Blah 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 blah. And then, then they get to the part where. They launch a bio-warfare scare. They create a panic in the local neighborhood to get everybody to get in their cars and clear out so that they can create the staging ground out there in the desert for the landing of an alien craft. Zin Vallis says Wyoming. Okay, Wyoming. Very and good. Stupid and says you have an amazing memory. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I Let me tell you something. I hadn't really been into the movie that much. I was watching, thinking, okay, this idiot Richard Dreyfus, he's going to make a fool out of himself. And so what? So he saw, he had an alien experience, you know, he doesn't know what happened. Really, you know, it might have been a hallucination, who knows. But, but a key element of the plot is they're going to get everybody to evacuate the area to panic by claiming there's a, a bio, I guess a virus, a, 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 a deadly virus loose, a bioweapon or something. And I realized how easy it would be for them to do that. Uh, look at COVID and the masks and all that. Very easy. 
or look at the anthrax scare. Well, the first place where you ever see this done, where you ever see <coughs> NASA, NASA scientists and the military using a biowarfare scare to empty an area and clear it out is in that movie, that Spielberg film, Close Encounters of a Third Kind, which I believe is based on a novel. So I don't know if I can blame Spielberg for that element of the plot. I'd like to know if it's in the novel. It probably is, but but when that when that happened in the movie, I thought I'd start. I, you know, I want to like jump up and start yelling. That's how I, I, I angry I was because they passed it off in the movie as if it was a good thing. Well, this is what we'd have to do. If, an, if we wanted to schedule, get together with the aliens and schedule for them to land. We've got to panic people and convince them there's a deadly virus afoot and they got to evacuate and then they'll get in their cars and they'll get the hell out, which is what happened in the film. And it, that, that plot twist. So, you know, up to that point, I hadn't really been paying all, I hadn't really been into the movie that much. But that was the that was the key element of the movie I took away I took away from that new film, and the fact that nobody reacted to it at all. You know when they when when you, they they showed you what was happening, I started booing. I started going. I started hissing and booing right there in the movie theater. <laughs> that the United States government would declare a pandemic or I don't know a deadly virus so they could clear the area so the alien craft could land without anybody else seeing it. Oh, what a great idea. And uh, I was there with family members to see the movie. And boy, they really they really got on me about it. Why was I taking it so serious? I said, doesn't that bother you, that very idea? That they're normalizing it. They're normalizing the idea that we can do anything we want to panic the population if we want to clear the area. So you look at Pal East Palestine, Ohio, right? Right, right. Or you look at Gaza. You look at the, You see what they do. Well, that's how I felt about Judy Wood and her directed energy weapon. It was nothing but a rabbit hole, a stupid distraction for people to spend their lifetime wasting your time on. And that's what's happened with otherwise originally probably decent researchers like Andrew Johnson or you mentioned Richard Hall. Yeah. People who know better, who know better. Here was my argument. I don't know what they used to take down the towers. They might have taken out all the toys in the attic. They might have used space beams. I don't know, but that's not the point. The point is whatever modality they use, whether they use nukes, whether they use thermite or thermobarics or, I don't know, space beams from the moon. One way or another, these were engineer-controlled demolitions. So it doesn't matter how they took the buildings down. And the media collaborated. Just as Morgan Reynolds said in that interview on Fox, the media was in on it. Those are the important points to make. And everything that Judy Wood was doing was to draw you far away from that. Far away from that. Because really, who gives a flying rat's ass what the details were of that controlled demolition. I mean, yeah, we'd, you'd have to arrest them and take them. To, you'd have to take those guys down to Gitmo and interrogate them to find out. Now, you got one of them. You got Mark Lozio on, on the... Lozo, Lozo, yeah. Lozo, is that his name? Lozo, yeah. Uh, right, that should be one of the first places we go looking is CDI. 
if any of them are still alive. I imagine most of them are still alive. Or Mark Loiseau. Mark Loiseau was just in Toronto doing a conference on controlled demolition. And he said some things that I wanted to bring up with you that uh, it would only mean something to you. Not many other people are smart enough to figure it out. But what Mark Loiseau was saying at this conference was without the government backing up the whole insurance aspect of a controlled demolition, we can't afford to demolish buildings because we get so many spurious lawsuits saying that we damaged this down the street or down the block. I thought nobody died, nobody got hurt, nobody lost their apartment, nobody lost their home. Nobody lost their job. Nobody lost their business. No. I thought, yeah, but he was. I thought it was a hope, but nobody suffered. No, but what he was saying was, in the future, the controlled demolition business cannot go further because of all the lawsuits over if they do a legal controlled demolition. That's what I'm trying to say. He says we well, need government some kind of some kind of laws restricting our liability because we can't get insurance because there's so many lawsuits say that there's a cracked pipe down the street from a building well, that we do. A that's con- the big pharma. That's the big pharma model for vaccines. Isn't that's it? right. So he's, that's what he's saying. He's saying the controlled demolition business is done right now. And I, well, I mean, no, no, come on. They're still doing controlled demolitions in Vegas, aren't they? I don't know, but I, we had a big hotel here in Toronto and I noticed, I thought it was going to get a, I, I called the company up. I says, why don't you guys do a controlled demolition of this building? Because it was maybe 20 stories. And then I said, why Why doesn't Toronto have any controlled demolitions? I've never seen one ever. And he said, it's just because of the liability. We can't guarantee we're not going to cause damage in and around the area. And I'm talking infrastructure damage, like, like pipes and sewers and so hydro. So the they, they, they take the it down they one floor at a time. The one they did down in Florida, mm-hmm. that was a controlled demolition, but they had to conceal it and lie about it. Is that right? Yeah, but it was spontaneous. Yes, because it's of insurance, because they're right. going to get their asses sued off. And, right. you know, sometimes I think, okay, we, we all think, or I think in this community, or I think that the 9-11 World Trade Center towers were built to be destroyed. But on the other hand, say they were not. Say they were genuinely trying to add some office space and make these exclusive towers. And maybe at the, maybe if they decide to take them down and redo them like they are doing now, maybe the insurance was basically saying what Mark Wazo was saying. There's no way they can bring these tower down towers down without any kind of liability protection because there's just too much infrastructure in Lower Manhattan in the area, and there's no they they would be sued out of existence because of this. So they needed some kind of government protection, and then. So maybe they said, well, if we make it seem like terrorists do it, then you've got exclusive access to taxpayers' money. We can pay off anyone and everyone in around the area to uh, to uh, fix their stuff if anything hey, gets wrecked. Let me wrecked. tell you who knows that. Let me tell you who knows that. What do you think of that? I thought that By was now, brilliant. The first, all, the, all the first responders know that, the ones that are still alive and they're yeah. plenty. The firemen know it and their union knows it. The cops know it. The Port Authority staff knows it. The construction workers in New York City knew it too. Everybody knew it. If they didn't know it in the first week, in the first month, in the first year, they certainly know it by now, don't they? Yeah. But but it's because they're whores. They're prostitutes. They're paid off. But what do you think of that theory? That Mark Loiseau is basically spilling the beans. And he just did that this year. 
I thought that was brilliant. That they need protection, government protection from liability because they can't buy insurance. They can't buy enough insurance to be sued and out of existence. Here's what will happen. Same as the drug companies, like you right, said. Same as the drug companies. Complete immunity from any liability for any unintended consequences. That's what he was saying. He said otherwise the demolition, controlled demolition business is over in America. Because here... Here's here's the one because thing because of he, lawsuits, because of lawyers right, yeah. and legal and all that. <coughs> here's the one thing that made Judy Wood comes down to business, right? And that might have made Judy Wood's argument credible. And that's the subways underneath the World Trade Center, right? The one right, there the was World one there was one subway line that had a station there. Right, but the thing is, there's a whole underground complex there, and. If you weren't careful about how you demolish them, the big issue would be the, the flooding. The bathtub, the bathtub. Of that bathtub, right, yeah, right. that's right. So obviously that had to be taken into account for this, for setting up the demolition. It was a tricky, it would be a tricky business. And there probably would be some collateral damage that you might, you know, I understand there was some, a little bit of flooding in some parts of the subway. Of course, the New York City subways do flood from time to the time. The big dig. The tunnel they built under Boston flooded right away. Right. And they were blaming that on uh, um, cement that uh, they were right, using They were using old those, cement. Imagine you had one of those overpriced high fashion shops right there in, in the underground, the World Trade Center, in that shopping area underground. And it got damaged or you lost merchandise and you'd be suing. Everyone's suing. What if you're... What if your sewer cracked halfway down the uh, yeah. halfway up Manhattan? Okay, yeah. and your and your base in the the mall underneath floods. That's what Mark Loiseau was saying, and the way they did it. So if the government calls this terrorism, that gives them complete access to government funny money to pay off anyone with a problem and with the demolition of these towers. The what does that tell us about the future? What's going to happen? Now, that's why I question. You say they've stopped doing controlled demolitions. Well, in Toronto, they've never done controlled demolitions. And like oh, I said, Las Vegas, Las Vegas, they have them like every other week, right? I mean, they'll take a hotel down in, in a week and put up a new one in Vegas. So are, what are they going to do in a place like Vegas, which is very corrupt? I in don't, words, I don't know. I don't know. If we go to um, CDI, the Loiseau Group, I haven't seen any recent demolitions um maybe in of course, vegas of course taking down a vegas hotel or casino it's not the same thing as taking down a skyscraper in the middle of say New well York that's City it that's Chicago. it that's it yeah yeah now a lot of these uh a lot of these recent ones they take down a lot of power stations where there's no real infrastructure around they're knocking down a lot of um smokestacks um, this one here, this Paul M. Bass complex, this is from a long time ago, I think. Or maybe not. I love watching these things. This was done... Okay, this was this year. Well, I don't know. You better send it over to police for them and have them certify that it's real video. <laughs> this was actually this year, apparently. This is, but yeah, so, okay, they actually blew this this sucker down in uh, Texas. But it's sort of a, 
a suburban area where you probably don't have the same concentration of infrastructure. Right. But right. if they have to do it in a populated, densely populated area, then what you're saying is the model, the paradigm for the future is make it make it a fire, make it a terrorist attack. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's tornado. Hey, make it a tornado, make it an earthquake. And maybe that's what happened with the one in Florida, because there was a lot of nonsense going around around that one. Actually, I heard that this is reported that the garage of that building was that called the what the hell? It was right on the tip of my tongue. The name of that condominium. Yeah. Something Shores or I forget Shores. Something uh, Sunrise or something. Sunshine. Yes, Sunrise Shores or something. But they said that this was a very upscale place. Right. And a lot of the people there owned Teslas. And the Teslas in the basement garage caught fire. And that became a real problem. One of the major issues. Everyone's obsessed with Tesla fires. Well, they said that these Tesla fires burn for like weeks, who knows, months. No, Actually, I don't right that. now, right now, there uh, apparently there's a ship. Was it a ship that was carrying uh, lithium battery or something? There's okay. a firefight going. Something is burned for months. They're saying, I think it's a ship. That I, I, that's an old story. I've heard that too. Listen, Hyundai's. The one of the cheaper cars are the Kias, Hyundai's uh, sister, poorer sister. These things are catching fire all over the place, and they're gas Do they cars. Have lithium batteries? No, they these have lithium? are gas cars. These are. Well, burn- no, I'm, I'm talking about something that burns for months. I know that. I know, but uh, first of all, the fire departments have foam. It does put out electrical battery fire. So it's I I at the beginning, I have a couple of the I have I have a hybrid car with a battery. And it did freak me out because at the beginning, there were a couple of houses that burned down when they parked it in the garage. So that did freak me out a little bit. But I think a lot of these vehicles were were shorting. There was just some kind of short, so the the circuit wasn't disconnected by the computer. And well, do so, you carry a fire extinguisher in your vehicle? I have. A, I actually bought a fireball. Okay. Have you seen these on YouTube? It's a fireball. No. You can throw these balls, which I guess are full of some kind of chemical powder, into a fire and it explodes and it puts the fire out. And the other thing I bought for my kitchen is a fire blanket. You ever heard of one of these? Yeah, yeah I've seen it used in a YouTube video. Yeah, Definitely me too. It was on Facebook. That's why I bought it. I bought it off Amazon for 10 bucks. But yeah. it's a great idea. If you have a, a, a kitchen grease fire... Instead oh, of yeah. instead of wrecking the place with a fire extinguisher, you just throw one of these fire blankets on it and it smothers Deprive the fire. Deprive it of oxygen. Yeah, it right. smothers it's like it. If, right. If someone's on the rolling on the ground on fire, you, you basically throw a blanket over them. You throw your jacket over them. Yeah. And you put the fire out. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, By the way, facotube.com is now working. So I got it going while we were talking. So thanks for everyone's patience. Anyone in the facotube chat, just say hi if it's working. And uh, there you go. We do repairs on the fly. So thanks to Armin Rig and unknown user. Unknown user always confuses me. Well, we'd be going about an hour, Lynn. We we could never we never have problems filling an hour with uh, Lynn. Uh, there were no planes. Says it was Surfside. 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 Yeah, Surfside. Thank you. 
very unusual. And there again, I wonder how many of the videos we saw from that are completely fake. <laughs> they look fake to me, but how would I know? Well, the because video it looked like a botched. It looked like a botched demolition, right? Like half of the building went down and half of it still stood up, right? And we've seen many of those, not necessarily by CDI, but there are. If you go on YouTube and just look up failed demolition, I'll do that now. It's not easy to get it get it right. And I, I, I'm not saying that um, here's 15 that went wrong. I mean, old this, structures and buildings are sometimes demolished to make way for new construction I mean, projects. these things are great. Out with the old and in with the new. But sometimes these demolitions go wrong. Sometimes they mess up. Here are the top 15 <laughs> structure good. demolitions yeah. gone wrong. That's good. Number 15, Ohio Edison Mad River Power Plant. Mad River. That's got to be Vermont. Mad River. <laughs> no, Ohio. Oh, Ohio. Okay. Has a 20 megawatt steam turbine that was driven by the burning of coal. And after subsequent upgrades, was responsible for providing at least a third of the town's power needs. Following concerns about the pollution it emitted, however, the plan was finally closed. I wonder if CDI is involved with any of the failed ones, because they've always been considered, in my mind, the pinnacle. There are other plants, there are other uh, consultants, I would think. Let's look at this one. This one's more. Angle. According to locals, workers had purposefully used fewer explosives than they normally would have done to prevent any damage occurring to nearby buildings. So what a headache when it just does that. didn't fully fall. Yeah. Well, the strange leaning block became a famous site in the which, city Which for brings a while. us to another point. Finally, yeah. The cleanup. The 9-11 cleanup. Right. Obviously, they would have had to complete... Uh, there, there probably might have been smaller follow-up demolitions to help clear what was left, right? I don't know. I, I think the, pur not always complete. the purpose of the demolition, and this is what I got from Mar Mark Loiseau, is to bring everything down to a level where they can use their equipment to to grab it and break it apart. That's the whole point. Otherwise, you got to take one of these front-end loaders and crane it up to the top floor, and it just sort of chews away from top to bottom. And what does that what does that say? But he was also saying it? he said some of the hydraulic reaches now they go up two hundred feet. That that's what's going on now. So from so they can pick away at buildings from the ground, but the demolition is to bring it down to a level that they can get rid of it. As opposed, so what do you suppose, mm -hmm. Mark Lozio, Lozio, whatever? Yeah, uh, my French is not very good. Yeah. Um, what do you suppose he would say about that infamous clip of Larry Silverstein on PBS Frontline saying we'd seen so much death that we told him to pull it. Pull it, yeah. Pull it, pull it, pull it. Uh, and I, I'm convinced that, well, I suspect, I shouldn't say I'm convinced, I suspect that waiting till 5.30 that evening to take down Building 7 was uh, I don't think that was in the original plan. I do. Oh, no, I was... no. Well, I do because I, I I still am a big fan of Simon Shack, and he said that building had the smoke machines for the city, so the whole point was to obscure the whole area until five thirty in the evening. Yes, evening? because they needed probably all day to work on work behind the smoke screen on the World Trade Center buildings, whatever they were doing. So maybe you're well, right. Maybe they were doing more demolition once they were halfway down. We don't know. We don't know we what don't. happened. We don't. But if we if we drag Larry Silverstein into court on criminal charges because he was the landlord. But it's not going to happen. <laughs> but wait a minute. 
there is a court of public opinion. Yeah. And that is already judging Larry Silverstein. I think he's, uh, he's been away scot-free. He's got away scot-free. The tallest demolitions in the world. Wow, this but is the another one. But the implication of what he said is attracts a lot of attention. that they had to go back and do additional demolitions afterwards. Especially in large That's what pull it means. And that means, when he says pull it, he's implying that the Salomon Brothers building was already rigged for demolition. Our first tower was located on South... But anyway, here's another one. Tallest building demolitions in the world. So I'll put a link to these. These are always fun to watch. Of course, they won't have the Twin Towers in here. 75 feet tall before it fell in 2009. The building was supposed to include luxury condominiums. Yeah, it's pretty fast. It's a very fascinating business. And um, like I said, you should watch for clues. Fascinating Mark business. It sounds like warfare to me. Yeah. Well, Mark Lozo was also his his main customer, I think, was the military. So he's going to work closely with the military. And here's Mark Loiseau here on the World Trade Center. And that was in the BBC documentary that uh, ja, Jim Rizzoli was so fascinated with. And uh, I'm trying to... Of course, he said he never cared much about 9-11. Well, he still doesn't think it's important. He thinks the only thing important was the uh, The free Holocaust. energy. Oh, the free energy. And the no. woo-woo. <laughs> no, all he cares about is the Holocaust. He says, if you understand that... Well, that's a hundred years. That's... <laughs> come on. That's like almost... 80 years ago. Yeah, but he said it's the only thing that matters. Well, see... Oh, here here we go. Here's what, Can I play this, Mark Loiseau? Let me play this. This is, this is what I posted that nobody has really commented or cares about. I'll just play this, if it works. Come on, work. Let me just refresh the page. Hold on a sec. This is the Surfside Condo Collapse. And uh, Mark was speaking. I didn't even know Mark was in the BBC documentary from way back when. Did you know that? Which BBC documentary? It was on World Trade Seven, World Trade Tower Seven. The BBC did a documentary trying to explain away. Oh I'm, my God! Yeah, that was. A and long he went story. on there and he buck backed up their lies. Is that what he did? This guy, this yes. criminal. Yes, yes. I'm so having that just trouble. shows you how rotten to the core. I mean, think about that. People say, "How could they get away with it?" Everybody would have to be in on it. Where everybody was in on it. Everybody was in on it, except for Morgan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. You know. I'm having trouble playing all this stuff today. I don't know what's going on. Let me just try and bring it over here to this screen and see what's going on. Maybe my Brave browser is going for a dump again. Just give me a sec here. Let's see if I can play it. Let's see where I saved it. No, it doesn't want to play. Okay. Mark Loiseau stuns audience with his honest remarks on litigation. Okay, let me let me look let me look on YouTube. Mark Loiseau stuns. It's not playing today. Stuns audience. That's like RFK Jr. stuns audience with remarks on vaccine, on on Big Pharma's uh, uh, immunity from any liability 
if people get sick or die from their vaccines. It's the same thing. So let's stun an audience with the fact that, oh, by the way, eventually there's a child. Yeah, here, let me play it here. I don't know why it's not playing on Faco too, but hold on. And despite this beautiful equipment that is reaching higher and higher above grade with the, with the high reaches uh, now getting up over 200 feet, eventually they're not going to get any higher. And, and something's got to get those structures down where explosives can do it. Explosives is a good choice if the structure has enough room around it to accommodate the volume of debris that's being generated by felling the structure. And if the nature of the surrounding community can tolerate an explosive demolition operation. I mentioned differential type of construction. I mentioned post-tensioning, non-unbonded tendons specifically. Once again, that is a type of construction where if you can't use an explosives approach, it is going to cost your client considerably more money and it's going to increase the risk to your workers and the public because risk is associated with duration of exposure to something that can hurt you. And post-tension construction, because it is so responsive, I love it because it's got energy built into the tenants that I can use, but it is not your friend from a conventional demolition standpoint. So we look at different structures that lend themselves to explosives for different reasons in different circumstances and say, how is this going to continue in our, in our culture, in our society, as we get more and, and, and different types of construction that haven't been demolished before? This industry is going to innovate ways to handle it. Just like, to see if I get, I think I missed it. You're going to have emergency jobs, but where an emergency job comes up, you're going to have latitude to protect yourself from, from litigation, as I just mentioned. You're going to have structures that you just can't reach with your equipment, despite this beautiful equipment that is reaching higher and higher. Sorry. Based immunity against lawsuit. So here it is. Hold on. Continuing. While I see there always being a need for emergency work, such as the one that was mentioned earlier, uh, we were we were flattered when our, our work at the Champlain Towers uh, that we performed for Governor DeSantis in Florida was recognized last year. I refused to work on that job until Governor DeSantis granted me immunity against lawsuit. Did you hear that? The Champlain Towers? I, don't, I guess that was in Surfside, Florida? Did you hear what he I just said? Is that the same thing as Surfside? Well, let me look it up. But what he said was he refused to work on the towers unless Governor DeSantis yeah. guaranteed yeah. immunity. Yeah. What? I, that is such an admission when we were trying to figure out the 9-11 World Trade Center puzzle. That blew my mind. Now, really. Well, all it's saying is your government is rotten to the core. It's been corrupt. It's been corrupt for a long time. And they've done this before. And they probably did it before 9-11. They pro look, the Oklahoma City, uh, Murrabilt. Okay, Surfside Condominium, That those were the Champlain Towers. Okay. So he would not, I guess, I guess they called him in after to get rid of it. That, that's what he won awards for, you see. They called CDI later to, to finish the job. So maybe they... Maybe this is... See, can you see how this could work? Okay, so they were in on it the whole time. They 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 pretend to do a bad job on, on it originally because maybe they really wanted the towers down anyway. Well, they claim they, they, claim they were doing repairs 
Right, but maybe the whole objective was to get rid of them in the first place. Right. Now, were there people in there? Did people die? I have no idea because no one's really studying this one. But say the objective was they wanted to bring them down, but CDI said we're not doing it unless you give it immunity. So the way they came up with a way to get to that point was they just did a, uh, a half demolition where the thing's sort of ready to fall. And then they go to the governor and say, we'll finish the job. You got to make sure. And that's how they did it. And that means DeSantis is in on this crap as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's mobbed up. It's really mobbed up. It's really dirty. It's really corrupt. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't already know. Polly <laughs> you know? Galtieri says, does Lynn have her own channel anywhere? Well, she's mainly on Facebook still, I think. You're still on Facebook, right, Lynn? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't really. I mean, people want me to start a channel. YouTube, maybe. Uh, YouTube would censor me. I, I don't know. Then start it on BitChute. <laughs> yeah, BitChute's the place to go for now. It's working they now. They the 77th Brigade runs it, but who knows? Well, there's a lot of stuff on there. I waste a lot of time on BitChute now. Yeah, no, it doesn't I'm, have a very good search engine, but it's gotten better. It's gotten a little bit better. Yeah, that, you're right. The search engine is not that good, I know. So you really have to, it's, it's not that easy to find stuff. But uh, but anyway, that was a pretty good show tonight. We've been going um, an hour and 10. I don't want to go over an hour for the most part because um, I can't get any other work done. So Lynn, do you got any final comments? Um, what's your, uh, well, the email that we give out for Lynn is lynn at fakeologist.com. Do you get any emails? Well- yeah, yeah, I do. I get some good questions. And also, I get into discussions with people uh, in the forums and on the blog. And uh, Oh, that's right. You know, uh, there's a little bit of uh, controversy over there. What's going I mean, on the there? The idea that all video is all the video from 9-11 is fake. Some people think that's what do you going think? bridge too far, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I guess I... I don't necessarily want to get into that sort of infighting. Okay. But but I would say this. If we were going into court to pursue a criminal case for 9-11, we would introduce all the video and all the photos, and each individual item would have to be sourced, yeah. vetted, authenticated, and then rendered admissible as evidence in court. And I wouldn't hesitate to introduce that uh, episode of PBS Frontline where Larry Silverstein says, pull it and shows video of WTT7, you know, in a perfect control demolition. And if someone, if, uh, if Simon Shack wants to file a friend of the court brief claiming that that evidence is inadmissible because it's fake video, well, then we'd have to source it. We'd have to see where did that video come from? Who faked it and why? Or they'd have to prove that it was real. But in either case, <laughs> you got a crime. You got a crime. And my response to people is, oh, no, no, don't use any of the video or photographic evidence. Well, screw that. I'm going to use whatever supports our case for controlled demolition. And if people want to object to it and say, well, that's fake or that's been edited, that's been altered then they have, they'll have to do that. They'll have to challenge it as evidence in court. And this is the case 
with any any video that's presented as evidence in court or should be. As you say, most of these trials are show trials. So this question of whether it's all fake or 99.9% of it's fake or half of it's fake, that's irrelevant to me. We would be presenting the evidence that shows a crime was committed. And then it's up to the people who are charged with that crime to show that the evidence is inadmissible and have it thrown out. And that in itself would be revealing. If we went through discovery on all this video material and the discovery determined that it had been fabricated, that would be evidence. And we'd use that. Uh, a lot of it has been fabricated and I'm not afraid to, 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 to force that issue. So, you know, but then again, as you say, you don't ever expect to see these people brought to trial. No. I want to plant. I want to plant the seed of that idea in the minds of all the Americans who lived through 9/11. I want to. I want to try this in the court of public opinion first, and then we'll see what happens. Okay, I found the thread on Fakeologist forums, fakeologist.com forward slash forums too. The videos of WTC7, real evidence or fake? So yeah, you're right. It's a pretty good discussion over there. So thanks for getting that going. I appreciate that. That's Lynn. Yeah, that that yeah. was induced by one of your one of your uh, <laughs> correspondents named Mark. <laughs> I like his stuff. He's very critical. He doesn't have such a high opinion of you, September clues. You're talking about Boogeyman? Uh, is he the same as Boogeyman or Mark Chase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think okay. that's him. Uh, you know, I, I think I, you I, almost got into the Discord on the weekend. I saw you try and get in there. Yeah, yeah, I got to try to get in there. And uh, I like all these people. You know, Dave J. I think Dave J.'s views are a little bit. I would say they were extremely skeptical <laughs> when it comes to warfare. Yes. But the burden is on us. I think. To find out just what's real, <laughs> you know, to get to what's real. You got to roll with the punches to get to what's real. <laughs> so Lynn is Dave giving a shout out to Dave J. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. All right, Lynn. Thanks so much for getting into the studio before me. That was great. Everything. Your new technology is working fantastic. So I'm glad. Everyone's glad that you got, you got in here. Dave J said, "There's never going to be a court case." I agree, and uh, but there might be a case in the court of public opinion, and who knows where that could lead? <laughs> People yeah. might end up taking justice into their own hands. How do y'all feel about that? If only it were true, but I, I don't uh, think so. All right, Lynn. Thanks a lot. Tomorrow, fake nukes. Phil will be back. He's got a hundred more videos that I haven't even watched. I can't even keep up with fake nukes. Phil and his production. And we'll take calls. I think he has a friend of his that might call in. So we can take calls for Fake Nukes Phil tomorrow. And uh, don't forget, this is value for value. If you like this show, it's fakeologist.com forward slash donate. A few people already have donated this year. Appreciate it. We had Loopy. She was on the audio chat for New Year's Eve. That was fantastic. A lovely lass from Ireland. She wrote me a really very lovely email follow-up email to her donation a lovely woman she's just uh, afraid of she's a bit, very guarded person she said and wasn't used to public speaking so this was her debut so she did a really good job really good to get females on the broadcast so thanks to loopy and henrik you and uh if you want to join this 
A rather modest list, fakeologist.com forward slash donate. It's just value for value. You pay what you think this show is worth. And Lynn, in her case, gives value by participating. And we really appreciate all her efforts. She's a long-time 9-11 researcher. So her, you got a brain like an encyclopedia. So thanks a lot, uh, Lynn. Uh, Benton wants you to start a YouTube channel. You'd probably be better off on BitChute. Otherwise, you'd get frustrated. So there you go, Lynn. You got some fans out there, as you know. Appreciate it very much. All right. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. And see you tomorrow. Thanks, Lynn.